Who else is here? We got Cavendish. Mm-hmm. Nimmer and Soren. Griffiths, Haynes. Blythe? Yes. Almost the whole ex-organization. Almost. They cleaned out all the other camps and dumped us in this one. As von Luger put it, all the rotten eggs in one basket. Folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 160, and today we're going to be talking about The Great Escape. This great and fantastic film has an ensemble cast like you wouldn't believe, and it stars Richard Attenborough, Steve McQueen, Donald Pleasance, James Garner, and James Coburn, among a host of others. Yes. I, yes. And I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. Oh, not the cooler again, Slover. Oh, the way? Perfect. Thank you, Steve, because <laughs> the way the heat and humidity has been down here, <laughs> I'd be happy to take fall and admit, go sit in the cooler. Nice. And uh, also joining us is our other very good and dear friend, Ken. Who are you calling a ferret? Roni. <laughs> Well, I was going to open up on a cooler for, for uh, related note, but instead I'll just point out that the, the two most painful scenes in this movie are watching Steve McQueen extricate himself from that barbed wire entanglement and watching James Coburn trying to talk in an Australian accent. <laughs> We're going to waste no time. We can get right there, huh? Yep, yep. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was, that was a little bit painful to listen to. Like I said, we can't... The Americans, we can only do one accent. American and American. So um, so there you go. All right, and our, yeah, our other good and dear friend, Jeff, who are you calling a gopher? Muncie <laughs> is uh, unable to be here. He's down in... Uh, actually, he's down in Mark's neck of the woods somewhere and uh, visiting or doing something. So. He's playing a, playing a banjo, I think. Yeah. Oh, boy. And we'll. Well, he does have a pretty mouth. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was Ken Roney. Yeah. 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 That was Ken. All right, so folks, we're going to be talking about The Great Escape. And like I said, it's an ensemble cast, a huge cast in this thing. Um, if you're if you're one of the younger listeners, you may not know these folks, but uh, but we do. And what 1963 movie and it's based on a true story about the uh, the great escape uh the largest uh, pow escape i think during the war and uh it, it's a classic it's a classic war movie guys i mean this is this is one of the the, the top uh i would even say i don't know i mean Star like 17's got uh, a special place in my heart but uh this one this one definitely is uh one of the top ones. What do you think? Ken, kick it off. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I think when we did Stalag uh, 17, I pointed out there's a there's a whole genre of World War II prison movies. Uh, a lot of them made in the 50s and 60s, but, you know, some later. This is one of the better ones. Uh, international cast, good budget. 
solid director, solid screenwriter. Uh, they tried to stay fairly true to the actual events, but, you know, they still dramed it up where they had to to make the story have more zing. Uh, I liked it. It's, I mean, it's something I remember when I was a kid watching it. I think it was very cool. I remember my parents thought it was a really big movie at the time. And it was. I mean, it did quite well back then. And it was a, it was a regular on TV for a lot of years. But then, obviously, it's, you know, it's 50 years old, so it's sort of died out. You don't see it much anymore. But it's well worth catching. It does have a great cast. I'm sure we'll talk about the cast. Uh, don't need to talk about the unnecessary female role in this movie. I think Steve pointed. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're you're breaking up quite a bit. You're you're it's oh, okay. it's like choppy, but you're fine. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. I I chopped this out. I mean, I had my my mouthpiece was like turned up. I forgot to turn it down, so it wasn't like in the optimal positions. But I'm hoping everybody can still hear me. Uh, but no, this is a very solid movie. It goes into a fair amount of detail showing how they went about the little details of you know making the uniforms, making clothes, getting documents. And there's, you know, there's a lot of books that have been coming out on that have come out over the years on this sort of subject. I highly if you're interested in it, I'd recommend reading them. I do have to point out one little, you know, I'm being the history buff I am. One thing they got wrong was they said that this camp was set up so that the the hard case, you know, prisoners would be assigned there, the most troublesome prisoners. And that's actually false because <clears throat> that camp was Colditz. And there's a separate movie called Escape from Colditz, which covers the escape out of that movie, out of that camp. Not, not to put the people down here down. They did a fine job. What do you think, Mark? It's your, yeah, you, you touched on it. It's your quintessential um, 1960s big budget, big screen World War II movie. I mean, you know, this ranks up there with The Longest Day, um, Gosh, there are just so many. I'm, I've drawn a blank on some of them. Uh, but, you know, these were all getting cranked out in the 60s, um, especially in the 60s. Uh, and I'm sure it lo- would look great up on the big screen. Um, as everybody's noted, a ton of actors that would become icons. You could say that James Garner, Steve McQueen, uh, Donald Pleasant is a character actor, but especially those two would go on to significant notoriety. Um, this this movie probably helped propel their careers. Um, you know, that that's one of the things that I enjoy about watching this movie is it it's fun it's a character study and it's fun to watch these actors play these roles. And everybody's got a job in this movie, you know. Steve McQueen's the escape artist, uh um, James Coburn's the engineer, Donald Pleasance is the is the document specialist and so on and so on. And it's always, it's neat to watch them interact and, and, uh, plan this escape out. It, it's a classic, um, World War II movie. Not World War II in the sense of what most people would think of tons of action. It, it's more of a suspense movie. And I'd say, what would you say, guys? About two thirds of the movie is just leading up to the escape versus, and then the last thirds, the escape. Most of it's just getting Oh, right. Yeah, you're about right. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the great parts of the movie, and there's a lot of good parts and we'll talk about them, but, you know, the real tense part of this movie is the night of the breakout, 
are they going to, how many are going to get away and will they pull it off? It's a, it's a fun movie. It's a, it's a great, um, ensemble cast movie that, as Ken mentioned, plays fairly, fairly well with the facts. I mean, you know, it is a movie, but nonetheless, it, it does, it, they used a lot of, uh, uh, men who are at the camp as technical advisors. Um, and I think it's interesting to point out that James Clavel, who uh, went on to notoriety, is writing Shogun, Taipan, King Rat. He was the screenplay writer for this, um, this movie. And I think he had been in Singapore for one of the Japanese prisons as an intern. So this is probably, probably hit close to home to him when he wrote it as a screenplay. Uh, classic World War II movie. Glad we're talking about it. Lots of fun characters, lots of great actors. Um, Steve, what do you think? Well, this one's always been one of my favorites. And, and one thing I always was intrigued about it is I've read quite a few books on, um, on POWs. As a matter of fact, I actually, um, knew someone, um, outside of, they weren't family members, but <clears throat> he wasn't a family member, but he was a very good close friend of, uh, of the family. And he had been, um, he had been shot down during World War II. Um, <laughs> first mission, first time he got into a plane, got shot down <laughs> and ended up as a uh, POW for two years. And, and it's interesting because the, the stories that he would tell me about what he experienced, uh, I would almost kind of wonder if he looked at this particular camp the way they set it up, where it's like, shit, this is like Taj Mahal. This is pretty nice over here. Because uh, he said, like, with the, the first place that he ended up in, it wasn't bad. Uh, but he said, he goes, you could tell that we were winning the war as the years went by because he said we kept getting shifted further and further into Germany. And he said, um, and, you know, the treatment got worse. The rations got worse. And he says, you get started getting to a point where the, you know, you couldn't tell who was in more shape, the German soldiers or us. And, and it's interesting because you watch this movie and you see where they're at. And it's like, that doesn't look too bad. <laughs> I mean, those, those barracks, I mean, it's like they had their own rooms. They had wash houses. And, I mean, everything seemed to be, it almost just, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When I was a little kid, I used to go to summer camp. I mean, take out the concertina wire. It looked a lot like that. Just saying. It, <laughs> I mean, I know, I, thought, I know that's not wait, what. I thought they, didn't they have concertina wire at your camp? Well, there was one that I they probably should have had because it was pretty close to being a. Oh, that's a whole other freaking story there. Oh, good lord. Um, but no, it just that was the thing about this movie that you know you look at where these guys are at, and and again, it was the it was the way they set the movie up and everything like that, but like. You're, you're like, this is actually kind of scenic. It's really nice. I mean, the barracks look clean and everything. You know, they got their own, hell, they got showers in their barracks. It's, it's like the Germans kind of went out of their way to make this really nice for them. But I, again, I know that's not what it was like during the war. Um, well, a, a little bit of trivia, which you may have picked up on is that, uh, when they were designing the sets for this movie, Donald Pleasance, actually was shot down and spent uh, about nine or so months in a POW camp. Yep. And they used him as a technical advisor on how the camp should look and be laid out. Really? Interesting. I yeah. knew I knew he was a POW because um, 
Uh, him and oh, oh, the guy that played, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy that played Q in the old James Bond movies. He was a POW for, I mean, and I think he was in there like from like 1940 on. Um, but uh, yeah, I knew I knew Pleasance was a POW too, but I didn't know he was a technical well, advisor. Something I always like pointing out. I, I know I'm, I'm probably overplaying this, but. Whenever you're watching a movie that's set in the that was made in the 50s or 60s, that's set in World War II, there's a very good chance that the a number of the male leads were in the war, and this movie is full of right. So, so you know, as time went on, once you get to the late 60s, I mean, the typical actor probably was not like a veteran of World War II, but these classic guys we're talking about in this movie, they almost all were. You know, I want to say Charles Bronson was in the war, but I, I, I was he? Okay. He was. I'm pretty sure he was too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let me see. It most of them were. Yeah. He was in Charles Bronson served in the USAAF and was wounded, but was not shot down. Okay. He was a gunner. He was a gunner. Okay. And he suffered from claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and that's, you know, that was kind of interesting how they kind of played that up. It just seemed like it, it must have been when they showed that later on, you know, towards the end of the movie where it just it just consumed him. I mean, he couldn't even function at a, at a certain point. And he's the tunnel rat. I mean, he's the guy that actually dug the freaking tunnel. And, and I think you did. They really kind of played up that fact that I think he got to a point where he just, he hit his limit. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. He couldn't function anymore in that tunnel, and and I like the fact that well, there you go. There's our Polish reference. He was uh, he was one of the poles that uh, got over to England and uh, fought with the RAF. And actually, one other thing I wanted to point out uh, for a lot of listeners, if you've never seen this movie, it is it is pretty much all British. There's uh, there's three Americans in the movie. There's two of them that are American flyers. They're they're regular American, and then James Garner plays. An American, but uh, was he? Did he fly for the Canadians, or did he go to the? He's Canadian. So, boy, he was an American. He's probably somebody that joined up for yeah before the war. Yeah, before America got in. Yeah, because he was an American, but he he I don't know I couldn't remember if he did the uh, the Canadian thing or if he went over to England. But yeah, but uh, Steve McQueen and there's one other guy they played. Uh, they were the only two Americans in there because this is pretty much the whole thing is all British. It's an entire British operation, and the whole camp is pretty much all Brits. Brits and Aussies. As it, as it was. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, you know, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing. And, guys, I want to bring something up. Um, and, and I've watched this movie, you know, God, God, Lord, numerous times. I've probably watched it at least once or twice a year. And I, I'm curious. When you look at a lot of the guys, and I'm sure they did it just for the movie, uh, just so you could be able to identify who people were. But it's like when you looked at how they were dressed, it was almost like a lot of these guys, particularly the well, most of them are all officers, they were almost in dress uniform. Yeah, they were much better attired. With, their clothes were in much better shape yeah. than they really would have been. But yeah. Like you said, they're trying to make it easy for the typical viewer to differentiate who's who. Right. Okay. Yeah, because there's some of the guys. I'm like, man, those are. How the hell did you get shot down wearing that? You would never be wearing that 
<laughs> in a in a bomber or even a fighter. I mean, you didn't you didn't have your dress tunic. I mean, the, no one dressed like that when they were in the field uh, because most of them were, uh, you know, again, they were dress uniforms. But it, it, you look past that, and and like you said, Ken, it was it was so you can differentiate, you could identify who is who, and. Oh, I guess opposed to Steve McQueen and his, you know, corporate casual look he was doing, the khakis yeah. and this colored shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he looked like he'd, he'd walked off of a, uh, old Navy commercial or something. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah, well, where'd he get I mean, that? Buddy Steve McQueen. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's cool. Cause this is like one of his first early movies, isn't it? Or, or was, or no, McQueen was doing stuff in the late 50s, wasn't he? Yeah, it, it was probably his. I would say it was one of the first where he headlined it as a big breakout. I mean, I think it really turned him into, I mean, he'd done the Magnificent Seven in 1960, um, Hell is for Heroes, which you guys reviewed, The Great Escape, The Blob. Um, oh, my God, I forgot about The Blob. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sand Pebbles a couple years later. Yeah, so the big one before that had been really the Magnificent Seven. So this was his, you could say this was his blockbuster movie, yeah. um, other than the Magnuson 7 where he was in the ensemble, but that was really Yul Brenner's movie. Yeah, they, they put him in this, though, because he, he was a recognizable American leading man, yep. and they yep. wanted that in this movie to give it appeal. And, you know, the Magnuson 7 had done that for him, so, you know, he... Richard Attenborough, you know, the thing I think that's interesting about this. He's been in a TV series, too. Yeah. You know, the thing I think that was interesting in the flip side was a lot of Americans came to be familiar with Richard Attenborough. I think this made him on, in the United States, it it increased his stock. Became very aware of him. If people wonder who's Richard Attenborough, if you saw um, uh, Jurassic Park, he was, he was the man who created Jurassic Park in the movie, the first one. So that's Richard Attenborough. Yeah, but in this movie, he's big act. He's, he's the guy who work. leads. Yeah, in this movie, he's big act, and he he masterminds the escape. And I think he does a great job. In- yeah, Attenborough really carries this movie. And I'll tell you, the other guy, um, I got to look him up now because I can't remember his name. But he was, um, he was the, uh, oh shit, uh, the guy that was security, um, oh, for the love of God. I swear to God, I thought it was, uh, Richard Harris. Oh, Gordon Jackson. Yeah, Gordon Jackson. Does he not look like Richard Harris? I mean, if you didn't, I mean, if you're not really, he looks a lot like him because I remember for the longest time, when I was watching this movie, I never looked at the credits. I always thought it was Richard Harris who was in that movie. I'm like, well, that's not Richard Harris, but looks like him. Yeah. Yeah. That did mostly, mostly British stuff, a lot of TV series, but he was, boy, he was busy. He died. He died young. He was only 66. Oh, really? Well, yeah, you know, and he's from Scotland, Glasgow. Cause you know, if it's all Scottish, it's crap. We were going to get to it at some point tonight. But well, I just decided. To, yeah, it was inevitable. You know, <laughs> intervene. It was, it was either going to be the, the little Scottish dude who helped dig out with Steve McQueen or we Ives. Ives. Yes. 
读了。Yeah. Hey, I I I do want to. I feel obligated to throw out one little actor, uh, not a major role in this movie, who has a little bit bigger role in a movie we like. That's Carl Albert Carl, Carl Otto Albertine, who plays SS officer Steinak in this movie, who's rounding people up at the end. But you know, he I, I, shortly after this movie, he evidently got demoted and put in charge of a uh, tiger tank guarding some gold. Yeah, you noticed him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's distinctive. This was that that guy. It was like anytime there's some movie, it's like, well, we need we need a bunch of Nazi troopers. Who do we have? Call Carl. He'll show up. Well, and the other guy, I think the other one with the Nazi when they were bringing the guys in with the Gestapo or SS guy who was sitting behind the table, the officer standing next to him. I think was in Where Eagles Dare or another one of those movies. Ooh, I think you're right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, th- those guys had they 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 had work opportunity back in those. Oh days. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, th- I think a couple of the the Germans um, that were guards in the POW camp actually were in the German army, and as a matter of fact, I think. Oh gosh, I can't remember the one. I don't know if it was the guy that played uh, Strockwitz or if it was the uh, 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 Christ um, von Luger. One of the guys, which is obviously an awesome name for a German commandant, von Luger. Um, <laughs> but I think there was a few, and I, I looked through some of the trivia, and there's a and there's a crap ton of trivia in this thing. They actually had. Um, you know, been in the, uh, in the Wehrmacht or the Luftwaffe during, during the war. So, you know, like you said, a lot of these guys had actually fought in the war. And, you know, come to think of it, didn't Garner fight in the war? I could, he was in Korea. He was in Korea. Okay. That's it. Yeah. He was in Korea. Yeah. Hey, Steve, did we have an intro for this movie? Actually, we don't. We didn't okay. have, we didn't have an intro. Yeah. Sorry, folks. No man cave movie intro for this, uh, great fantastic film. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> Couldn't get one together today, but uh, I think you need to run a Darth Vader quote on yourself. <laughs> yeah, probably should. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know what? That that's terrible. I probably should. Yeah. All right. You know what? Because I don't have a uh, because I don't have an intro for this great fantastic film. This is for me. You have failed me for the last time. There you go. All right. The night's young. Yeah, it is. It is. It, the night is very young. So I, I could probably. It's never the last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, but, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, something you've got a ton of great actors in there, and there's a lot of great Brit actors, uh, British actors, I should say, uh, in this movie. Obviously, you know, Donald Pleasance is, is one of the great ones. Um, David McCallum, he played actually, oh, I just lost the, I, I lost, I lost someone. Not me. I, I lost Slover. Nope. Oh. We're trying to get him back. Got half, got half. Dog one. And. What happened? I don't know. I just heard, I heard Skype took a dump and we're trying to get him back here. So hold on. I didn't hear it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hold on. Uh, 
Nope. Did I just lose you, Ken? No, I'm here. No, you're there. All right, hold on. Got to bring back. Where the hell is Slover? What are you? Okay. Are you still there, Ken? I just hung up on everybody. Okay, well, got a text. yeah, he just texted me. He says uh, the computer just crashed. Um, he'll be back. So yeah, I, I just told him to hold. All right. Um, Did you happen to see the little thing? And uh, I was looking at Wikipedia. They got the cast, and at the bottom of the cast, they've listed the surviving cast members. Oh wow! Ones that are alive today. Awesome. And it's it's David McCallum, which I'm surprised. John Layton, William Russell, George Mickle, Lawrence Montaigne, and Carl Otto Alberti. Wow, nice. That guy's still around. Speaking of David McCallum, did you see the Man from Uncle movie that's coming out? Yes, I saw I that. I think I may go see that. Mm-hmm. If you uh, want to go, let me know. Cool. Yeah, there's um, uh, I I mean, there's a bunch of great actors in this movie. Like I said, I mean, you look at these guys now, and you know they're they're a huge hits, but a lot of them really were just pretty much kind of cutting their teeth. I think. I mean, Steve McQueen obviously right. was the big one, you know. But when you look back, uh, you know, Coburn, Pleasance, you know, Bronson. I mean, these guys were not. They, I'm not saying that people didn't know who they were, but they weren't, they weren't the no, names yeah, that they, they were. They were making a steady paycheck when this movie was done, and they were doing okay. They had good buzz, but yeah, within five to ten years, they were doing, they were A-list box office. Right. Like I know, I know, like uh, Charles Bronson. I mean, once you got to like 1970 to like 1980, that guy just was minting money. Oh yeah, I mean he was a main, main. Uh, class A actor at that point, you know, because he was doing the. Uh, I mean, he he really cut his teeth on the Death Wish, uh, uh, that whole thing. And I mean, the guy is just. And I always like Bronson. I mean, he was just. He, you know, he was one of those man's man. I mean, he just had that rugged look he's, about he's him. Manly. He's got he's got more manliness in his little finger than I got my whole <laughs> body. Yes, he does. And you know, and he and he always had that. You know, he carried himself very well. And, and the thing of it is, in this movie, he really, he really pulled off the, the Polish character, I thought, really well. I mean, he had the accent down. He just had the, the look, the demeanor, everything about him, I thought, fit very well in this movie. But, um. Yes. But yeah, you know, the other thing that I do like about this movie, too, and I've always made this comment before, and I think Mark even, had a um, uh, a standing rule is uh, the army that has the prettiest uniforms will always lose the war. There is that. Yeah, because I'll tell you, you look at the German German army, the Luftwaffe, those guys just looked sharp. I mean, everything about their uniforms was just spot on. I mean, crisp, yes. I mean, the colors, everything just fit right. You know, and then, like I said, Mark always had the rule, and when he gets back on, eventually, I'll bring that up, but he said, he goes, 
the prettier the uniform, your army's going to lose. <laughs> I always thought that was yeah, kind of funny, too. It is, I mean, I've seen pictures of, you know, actual prisoners and, uh, you know, Stalags in the war. And they pretty much were wearing, you know, beat up old flight suits and stuff like that. I mean, right. they pretty much were wearing what they got shot down in. Again, I think Stalag 17 did a good job on that. Yeah, and you're right. And that is the one that really did because, you know, when you think of a, when you think of a POW camp and stuff like that, you, you get that impression that's what it looked like. And I think maybe because Stalag 17, it was black and white. So, you know, a lot of that washed out color. Plus it was, you know, done during the, uh, the winter. It was cold. It was muddy. You almost got the feeling that's what it looked like. Like I said, you know, this one here, um, you almost got the impression this looked like it was, you know, you take out the concertina wire and well, it kind of looked like a little chateau out there. I mean, it, it didn't oh. look that bad. It's like, and I'm just thinking of a POW movie, which I think would be worth doing. I think it's a pretty good movie. I didn't get much box office. It was The Great Raid from about like eight or nine years ago. Yes, yes. And that one, I mean, those guys had it rough. And, and they were dressed and looked apart. Um, I'll tell you what, I read the book, uh, and it's called Ghost Soldiers. Yes. And it is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. And, um, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's a fantastic and, and it's a, I'm glad you brought that up, Ken. We should probably do that movie because it is not, it is not well known. Uh, it really didn't go anywhere in the, it, it didn't go anywhere in the box office. You're absolutely right. Yeah, As a matter of fact, it's a solid, I mean, it's almost a documentary. Yeah. And it got a lot of crap. I mean, a lot of critics really tore it down because they thought we were making the Japanese look bad. And, um, well. No, the Japanese made the Japanese look bad. Yeah. When it comes to prison camps <laughs> in World War II. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I read the book and I was, I was literally in tears before I finished the first chapter because, um, you know, towards the end, of, well, first of all, the Japanese weren't big on taking POWs to begin with. Yeah. And the ones that they did, they looked down on as, you know, less than human because, you know, you're a dishonorable person because you surrendered. You should have fought to the death and all that crap. But I'll tell you what, that, that's a, it's a great book. And ladies and gentlemen, I highly recommend you go out there and get the book. It's called Ghost Soldiers. Fantastic book. And it is, it's an amazing read. It's real quick. You go through it in no time. And it's, uh, and, and the fascinating thing about it was, is when MacArthur authorized the mission, uh, everybody said, you do realize this is a suicide mission, right? And they're like, yeah. And everybody that went on the mission was a volunteer. It was not an order. If you wanted to go, you could go, but it was everybody had to volunteer. And. No. When you read, when you read the story, when you read the book and you find the background about it, it's like, how the hell they pulled this off? Oh, yeah. It, it was a miracle. And the one yeah. thing they will always say, if it wasn't for the Filipinos that backed him up, it would have, it would have died. I think, yeah, the, I think we, we probably ought to mention that if listen, if, it, if we actually put this in and people are listening, Mark lost his, his computer crashed and we're waiting for him to come back on. So if it seems like, 
Steve and I are dominating this, taking it off on a tangent. That's why. Absolutely, yeah. But, Speaking of which, another movie we probably ought to do a lot, again in the prison camp genre. Even worse, even more of a downer is Unbroken. If you haven't seen Unbroken, I think it's a pretty powerful movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Actually, you know, there's there's a bunch of good. Um, I should say good. They're good movies. Uh, you know about you know POWs during World War II, and there's another one. Um, I wouldn't mind. I, I don't know if I we, we'd ever do it on the show, but I would recommend getting the movie The Way Back. Oh yeah, well, and, I think Mark's on. Did he's? Oh my gosh, that's holy crap! <laughs> talk about talk about beating the odds. Um, and then uh, the one the, are you talking about the one where they break out of the the uh, gulag? Yes, it's uh, it's and an, go to like India. Yeah. They basically oh, yeah. they basically break out of a gulag and and literally cross they go through Siberia through uh Mongolia part of China and then into India. And it's uh I, I think one's in, one's an American, one is a Polish uh soldier and I can't remember who the other and then there was a, there was a girl too. Well, well, is this a Russian criminal? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a fascinating movie. I remember watching because it's no one really knows. Because I think it's uh, the only two people in there that I recognize were it was Ed Harris and Colin Farrell. Yeah, and I think Colin Farrell played the the Polish. Um, I think he was a cavalry officer or something like that. He got captured um, early in the war. Yeah, and uh, and I'll tell you another one too. Uh, speaking of World War II uh, uh, POW movies, and I know we're getting completely off the track of this, but it's within the same tangent, is uh, My Way, about the, uh, the the Japanese and the, and the Korean guy. That Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that? I'm telling you, you've got to see that movie because that's another one where you realize, man, did karma bless these guys or what? They got, <laughs> they got caught up in the... Russians, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Japanese, uh, Soviet war got captured there, ended up in a gulag. Then they got, uh, th- th- then when the World War II brought, broke out, uh, they were, they were giving everybody in the gulags a chance to go fight for Mother Russia. So those guys end up go fight for Mother Russia and then they get captured by the Germans. They get conscripted to the German army. It's, it's like, holy crap. And it's and, and it's a true story. It's based on a true yeah. story. It's like this. It's not like they made this up. This really happened. And great, great market. He just sent me a text saying oh, he's ready to come back. Oh, there he is. All right. And I'll, I'll tell you, for someone of your ethnic heritage, a movie which I thought was quite good was called Ketin, about the yep. Ketin massacre. Yep. Have you seen that? No, and I have been told that I do need to go check that out, and it is... I uh, got it off net, Netflix. I mean, it's, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, uh, that's what I was told. I need to go see that. All right, Dog Charlie Fox. Dog one is open. Mark, you here? Nope. Still dialing him in. He's coming. Yep, he's coming. All right, eventually. But, no, I do need to see that, and... um Oh, good lord! Because that that was a huge massacre. It was like ten thousand yeah. Polish it, troops. It's not a not a happy movie, but it is. It shows how it happened. Right. You 
guys hear me? Yep, we yeah. hear you now. Oh, okay. This is a damn fucking Skype. <laughs> That's all right. It he happens. had a sidebar commentary on all kinds of oddball prison of war movies. So we kept ourselves occupied. There's been a few. Yeah, and that's what, you know, we were just talking about uh, a couple of those, and we we may have to throw, you know, I'll tell you what, there's another one that kind of uh, comes up on this one. Have you guys ever seen Victory, the one with uh, Michael Caine, Stallone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, I like that movie. I think that's a pretty good movie. I'm ambivalent towards that movie. Are you really? Yeah, I am ambivalent. Hmm. I don't dislike it. I just, I just don't much care. Okay. All right. It's, it's, it's entertaining. I mean, don't put much thought in it, but it's entertaining. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I thought it was actually one of Stallone's better acting roles, but that, that's just me. Well, he could only go up with the talent around him. <laughs> well, there, there's that. Jeez. You got Michael Caine and, uh, uh, the Max Mod Cedow. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I, I like that movie. I mean, I think, I mean, as POW movies go, I thought that one was pretty good. It's got a little bit different twist on it, and I, I didn't think it was too bad. But anyway, uh, but moving on. Uh, guys, you know, this, this movie here, Again, is one of those classics from the '60s, and like you said, you know, we were they were cranking this stuff out big time after the war. I mean, the war had been only you know over for shit less than 20 years, so you know they were doing a lot of these type of movies. And what do you guys think? I mean, in terms of like favorite scenes, what would you say would be your favorite scene in this movie? Mark, you, you go you, first, Mark. Yeah, Mark, you uh, go first. Probably the whole, um, the whole breakout, the whole getting guys organized, getting ready to go that night, sneaking out, and and then the whole effort to get out. And you know, they find out they're what thirty feet short. And Steve McQueen pops his head up like like a gopher from a Caddyshack. He looks around, thirty feet short. That that whole that, that's kind of the middle climax of the movie, but that that's really neat, really well done. I love what the set design of the whole tunnel and all these guys and the, the system they have to get people out. Um, I, I like that. I also like um, there's a cool little scene when Big X and was it McDonald? They're, they're both, they're traveling together. They think they've gotten away. They're getting ready to get on a bus. And the, the German, the German susses McDonald out by speaking in English and makes him say thank you. Um, but I, I really, there, there's a ton of great scenes because of the acting, but I really, I think the high point for me is the whole breakout. And Mark, did you notice, and you brought that up, and I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, the scene when McDonald gets faked out, you know, and the mm-hmm. guy says, good luck. He goes, thank you. And he's like, oh shit. Remember mm-hmm. he pulled the same when they were, when they were interviewing everybody that was going through, uh, he goes, you know, when he was talking to the one guy, 
when they were coming through, checking the papers and kind of like prepping them. And he says, oh, your German's pretty good. He goes, oh, thanks, Mac. He goes, damn it, you can't do that. That is the quickest way they will trip you up. And he got tripped up the that's same right. way. That I thought I was, that. yeah, that's very telling because he did the same thing when they were, when he was prepping everybody. He's like, don't get out of character. Right. He goes, that's the quickest way they'll trip you up. And then he got tripped up the yeah. same way. I thought that Good was, catch. that, I thought that was very important. Yeah. Uh, Ken, what do you think? Uh, I'll just say a, a scene that actually, actually several scenes that sort of set the tone for the movie is at the very beginning, you have this, this, the part where, you know, all these trucks pull in. The, the prisoners are all mustered. Von Luger gives them the speech about how this is the you know, inescapable prison camp and they'll never get out. And then immediately about half a dozen guys work an angle. They're like trying to blend in with the Russian POWs or jumping in the trucks or, you know, doing something, just trying to break out of the place. Again, just to show these guys are indomitable and they're going to escape one way or the other. And I thought that set a good scene. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, my favorite scene in this one here is the 4th of July. When, oh. when, when, when yeah. Coburn and, uh, Garner and the one other dude, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. When they made all the moonshine, they're like, where the hell are all the potatoes? Oh, we found out where they're out now because they basically <laughs> made a whole bunch of moonshine. Wow. And, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I just thought that was a great scene. Either the whole where they're, you know, marching through the camp and they're doing all this stuff and they're just getting everybody drunk. I don't know why. I love that scene. It is funny, and yeah. it it breaks up. Uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of serious stuff going on, a lot of downer scenes, and then it sort of gives it some levity. Well, that, and then you had, and that's where Ives meets his uh, his demise. Um, you know, because they had right. found, they they found one of the tunnels, um, and I always like that where they you know where they named the tunnels uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry. I just thought that was, I always thought that was a interesting. Well, it's real. I mean, they really did. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's cool. I like how they did that. And, um, but anyway, um, let's see what else we got here. Soundtrack. I want to talk about soundtrack. I think the music in this movie is, is really good. I, it's hard to really kind of describe it. In fact, I, I do have some of the, uh, the, the soundtrack and I can play it, uh, in a, in a bit, uh, so folks can get, but I thought it was, it's catchy. It's a little bit of martial music, but I don't know. It, there's something about this that when you hear it, uh, it, it's kind of like another one of those movies where it's like, as soon as you start hearing this music, you're like, Oh yeah, that's from the great escape. And it, it's just, it's very, unique to this movie what do you guys yeah. i mean what'd you guys think i mean did you agree i mean i thought this i thought the music in this movie was just fantastic yeah it's very you know i i don't remember much of the rest of the soundtrack i just kept hearing the theme song which is very bouncy and kind of upbeat it's you know back to ken said it indomitable you know it kind of reflects the determination of the um 
the prisoners. It's that dun 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 dun. dun. It's it's that real, and you saw those kinds of themes in the '60s for a lot of these war movies. They were either real dark and heavy, or they were kind of that upbeat, bouncy, and not bad. I mean, it's a great. It, like you said, it, if you if you've seen the movie, you and you hear it, you immediately know it. But it, it's it fits the movie, um, because in a way, there this is kind of a lighthearted movie in 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 some respects. It's it, it's not a farce, but there's they they like like you mentioned the um the Fourth of July. They they inject some lightheartedness in the movie, and I I think that's reflected to a degree in the in the in the main theme. But I don't really recall the rest of the music. What do you think, Ken? Well, it, I'll mirror what you said. And, and, you know, the other music is just sort of back, you know, standard early 60s background noise. But uh, when I was doing my research, which, of course, was skimming Wikipedia, they have a little blurb in there where they point out that, to this day, English soccer fans will play this <laughs> when they're going up against Germany. <laughs> Were they really? That's awesome. I love it. That's well, you know, great. Yeah, you know what? And, folks, I'm just going to play a little bit of the music just so you can kind of hear what it sounds like. So here we go. Our younger listeners, if that sounds vaguely familiar and you're going, wait a minute, that was in Chicken Run, it's because <laughs> Chicken Run is the greatest game. That's yes! it is. Yes! And it's a great movie. Yep. But it's the greatest. Chicken Run is basically Claymation, the great escape for chicken. You're right. I forgot about that. Well done. Well played, Mark. Forgot about that. Great, forgot about great chicken. movie too. Yeah, forgot it's, about Chicken Run. Because didn't he even do a thing where he's playing baseball in yep. the? Oh God, that's in the, right. Yep. Yep. Totally for all night. Yeah, cool. 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 All right. Well. All right. So, um, so there you go. Uh, got the here's some of the soundtrack, and we've got our favorite scene. So, uh, gentlemen, I think it's time to move on to. Uh, Brother, what you drinking? And I know it's a school night. We're trying to be on our best behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, God knows after the weekend I had, I probably should be on a sabbatical from alcohol for about the rest of the year. But were you a were you a bad boy? Um, no, I wasn't a bad boy. I actually, I kind of was. So we'll <laughs> we'll just forget about that. Um, Mark, what do you got? Uh night and like i said it's been real hot and bleh around here so i have been enjoying one of uh schlafly's out of st louis we've featured him before uh one of their hefeweizens oh very uh, nice yeah just it's a great solid hefeweizen i mean it's not going to be the best you've ever had but it's it's a good solid entree and more of a kind of got an american wheat to it but 
but quite tasty. So, again, my hats off to Schlafly's. They they make a good beer. Very nice. Um, guys, you know what? I'm kicking back with uh, the remnants of what I had uh, yesterday and the day before. I had actually picked up uh, uh, several six-packs of uh, some different German beers, and I am now downing the last of my Hockershaw wheat. Ooh. And, that's uh, pretty good stuff. I've had that. Yeah. yeah. That is good. It is good. And I will just say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is actually like probably one of the very first wheat beers I was ever introduced to, uh, by, um, uh, my good and dear friend, Mr. Mark. You I actually beat Hockershaw. Yeah. You actually introduced. Did I? Yes, you did. You, you yeah. actually introduced me to this beer. So, um, I, I, Stand in awe, and I genuflect every time I I yeah, see this. And yeah, it no, it's a good, it's good beer. It's a, it's good. I haven't had it in a while. I've, it is very good. I forgot. Yeah, how good. And I was walking by the uh, I was I was at the liquor store. And I was like, holy crap, Hocker Shore! And I, I went and picked up a couple of six packs of those, and I had some uh, Ho Garden. Got some of those uh, yesterday, and uh, I was uh, you know sitting around painting some minis and. Um, Having a good time and didn't realize how much of that I drank. And you know, when you're sitting there painting miniatures, isn't it amazing when you, the time just goes by and you look at the, you look at your watch and go, um, I should probably be waking up in a couple of hours. Oh, uh, not one of those nights. Oh, it was one of those nights. I've been there. Yep. It's like, yeah. oh shit, this is going to be a bad day. So anyway, that's what I had. I had a hot shore wheat and it was delicious. Liked it a lot. And, um, and I also finished painting up the rest of my, uh, uh, you know, British, uh, uh, just so you know, guys, I'm putting together an entire British army. We're going to do Waterloo campaigns. So, so I heard. Yep, got those. I got some, uh, and now, right now, I am working on the, uh, the 42nd Highlanders. Very nice. You doing 15s or 25s? Oh, 15s. I, it's, okay. well, no, because we do the, we do the whole 25 thing. Right. So, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I'm doing the Black Watch. Because oh, of it's all Scottish crap. <laughs> yeah. Wasting one night. I know. Good Lord. Trying to paint a kilt on these guys on a 15 millimeter is a pain in the ass. Uh huh. But just remember, it's just remember the remember the six foot rule. <laughs> yeah, with the fun. Ward Williams five foot rule or six foot yep. rule looks good for beer. <laughs> yep, yep, you'll be fine. Yep. All right, uh, and last and certainly not least, it's now time for catching up with Ken. All right, Ken, what's your top highlight? Uh, I'll just do it fast. Uh, what was it? Middle of the week, I went to a view, special viewing party for Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. <laughs> you did not. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did. Was this at someone's home? Yes. And I, I wore a shark hat while I watched the movie. You actually watched it? Yeah. I've never seen a Sharknado 
a movie, but this friend of mine is a big fan of cheesy sci-fi, so she invited me over and I hung out and watched it with some folks. And, uh, it's pretty bad, but I watched the whole thing. You, I've never seen them. I, you don't need to. I mean, you, you know what you're getting. Not even degrade schlock. But it's the the concept is they get all these pop culture, you know, walk on people uh, to have their little cameos of them getting eaten by these sharks. Like you know, you're sitting there and like George R R Martin. Gets eaten by a shark. Charo gets eaten by a shark. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. So, I like did, that. Did Danny Trejo get eaten by a shark? Danny, he no, he wasn't. But Judd Hirsch was driving a taxi and got eaten by a shark. Robert Hayes was a pilot of the plane. So, it's, 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 you know, it's what it is. Uh, and then the other two things I'll do, I'm, I'm going beyond the highlights, is yesterday I went to the a very high-quality bourbon and bar- barbecue pool party, and then today I was at a Serbian pool party. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, was like 16 people there, and only four of them were native-speaking Americans. The rest were all originating from, you know, Serbia, Bosnia, or Croatia. Interesting. I was like sitting there half the time, going like, "I wonder what these people are talking about." They seem to be having a good time. <laughs> Sounds interesting. But I, I had a good, I had a good time. I'm not putting it down. Oh, very nice. Any attractive, la- any attractive ladies? Uh, well, yeah, actually, both parties were attractive women. So, oh. uh, sadly, at the, the the Bosnian party, there was you know. The attractive women all had Serbian boyfriends or husbands there. And Serbs are known for their, you know, you don't mess with their women. I've heard that. And you do it once. Once. Yeah. I, I wind up at the bottom of the pool is what would happen. So I, 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 I watched myself. <laughs> yeah. Had some very good food, though. The food was excellent. Uh, America, a mix of American and Bosnian favorites. and uh, The drinks were Nice, strong, and uh, had a nice, mo- nice mojito with mint fresh from the garden. Oh, very nice! Mm-hmm. I always like a mojito. Mojitos nice are- in the summer. Yep, they uh, are. Humid day like this, sitting around a pool, mojito hits the spot. Just to wrap up, uh, what am I drinking right now? Vanilla vodka and diet coke. But over the, uh, I think I'm with you, Steve. This weekend. Yesterday, it wasn't called the bourbon and uh, barbecue party for nothing. So yeah, bourbon. I bought the I bought some of the hundred proof Knob Creek. Oh, nice. That was my contribution to it. Uh, I had a, some nice whiskey sours while I was there. Uh, and they had a shot luge uh, made of ice. So when you're in the pool, you Swam up to the side. They had this gigantic ice sculpture where you poured in ingredients at the top, and it flowed down, and you just drank it out of the ice channel. It was very civilized. Oh wow, that's that sounds pretty cool. It was a first class thing. Wow. So, anyways, that that's what I was up to. So, so there you go, folks. That is it with uh, brother. What you drinking and catching up with Ken? We are going to move on to clips.
one of our favorite parts of the show. And I've got, uh, you know, this is, I wouldn't say this was like a big clip fest, but there's some, there's some interesting ones in here. So, uh, let's see. We will go with, um, we'll go with this one. You speak Russian? A little, but only one sentence. Well, let me have it made. Yavas Lublu. Yavas Lublu. Yavas Lublu. Yavas Lublu. What's it mean? I love you. Love you? What bloody good is that? I don't know. I wasn't going to use it myself. <laughs> That's one of the light yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. It was. It's got a little bit of the James... Coburn Australian accent there I was talking about. Yep, you're right. And that was, uh, yeah, that was James Coburn. So, uh, let's see, uh, number two. Your name? Ives. 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 Oh, yes, Archibald Ives. Scott. The photograph doesn't do justice. I'd like to see one of you under similar circumstances. I'll tell you what, I yeah. love the Scottish accent. I just, it just, it makes my heart glow. I just love it. Yeah, I felt something. The look of that prison camp, the look of the cooler was copied directly for Hogan's Heroes. We, we can't review this movie without mentioning the word Hogan's Heroes. Holy cow, how did we even skip over that? Yes, you're right. But yeah, Heroes. would you agree that the look was exactly the same? Yeah, Hogan's Heroes borrowed heavily from Stalag 17 in this movie. Yep. So, yep. I mean, if we were actually going to talk about Hogan's Heroes in this movie, who do you think Jeff would be? Would he be, uh, would he be Schultz or would he be the, uh, who was, who was the hell, the, the general? Who was the, thank you. Um, General Burkhalter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think who Jeff would better be. Clink, you idiot. Yeah. Major Hockstetter? Major Hockstetter, sorry. Major Yeah, Okay, that's it. Don't get Mark started with the Hogan's Heroes impression. Oh, gosh. You can go all night. Yep. Okay, uh, next clip. You have other plans? I haven't seen Berlin yet from the ground or from the air, and I plan on doing both before the war is over. Are all American officers so ill-mannered? About 99%. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, let's see. Number four. We're not bitsing out two or three or a dozen, but 200, 300. Scatter them all over Germany. Do you think that's possible? Well, the men are here to do it. The goons have put every escape artist in Germany in this camp. You say so yourself. Have you thought of what it might cost? I've thought of the humiliation if we just tamely submit. And there's that stiff upper lip of the British. They're always very, always like that about them. That's you got to figure, you know, in this movie now, uh, whether historically or not is a question, but, you know, all these guys have been, a lot of, these, a lot of the Brits have been, and, you know, the Poles and others, they've been stuck in here for a while. So they're going camp happy. Wire happy, I think, is a yeah. phrase they use. That's it. Yep. All right, uh, next. Hey, Vernon. You think you'll stay in the Army after the war? Oh, no. No, I'm not a wild man. And my teeth. Your teeth? Yes. Ah, I could tell you stories about my teeth that would make your hair stand on end. 
Our dentist here is a butcher. But don't tell anyone I said so. <laughs> I always like that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was, like James Garner. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, that's James Garner trying to sock up to a guard to do his... Do his work, yes. Grounding. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, and that's the great thing about James Garner. And, and this is quintessential James Garner. He just plays that thoughtful um, con man. Right. He, you know, whether it, whatever role, he always kind of had that, that kind-hearted con man. He's really looking out for your best interests. And oh, by the way, I need to rock, Rockford-esque. Yes. All right. Uh, next. Where, God's name, did you get these from? Henley. Where did he get them? I asked him that. What do you say? Don't ask. Okay, let's see. This is, uh, there's, here's quotes from my, uh, the, the next two quotes are from my favorite scenes. Gentlemen, you're invited for free drinks at the washstand. The 4th of July, a little present from the colonial. Down the British. Yeah, yeah, Quite right, too. And a little drink to Tom. And they're getting home. Yeah, well, we accept. Uh, there you go. All right. And last and certainly not least. In the three years, seven months of Approximately two weeks that I've been in the bag, that's the most extraordinary stuff I've ever tasted. Oh, it's shattering. I think it's rather good. <laughs> I love that. This is what I love about the British. It's like, it's shattering. <laughs> yeah. And the one guy, who who's the, the group captain? He was completely lit at oh, yeah. one point where he's he can't even like put two words together. He's trying to talk to uh McQueen, Steve McQueen. He's like, I think he was really drunk. I think they really had moonshine out there. <laughs> oh gosh, I love that scene. That's one of my favorites. All right, so there you go, folks. That is it with clips. We are now moving on to the top movies of nineteen sixty three. I think that's yes, yes, 1963. Ken, it's all yours. I'll take it away. Uh, 1963 was actually a pretty good year for movies. I'm, I'm going to name off a batch of them here that you guys will all agree are, are pretty good, pretty solid. Awesome. Uh, if you go down the list, I mean, not in the top ten, a few, a few movies which I enjoyed uh, were Donovan's Reef, a funny John Wayne movie. Yes. Very good movie. Yep. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, at number 20, we had 55 Days at Peking with Charlton Heston. That is a great, yeah, that, that's a great boy's own adventure based on an actual incident. That's a great movie. You never that's, hardly ever see it. That's why I mentioned it. Actually, I caught it, it was on my cable about a year ago. Before I cut cable, pumped into it. Uh, at 19, HUD. Paul Newman, Patricia Neal, and a big cast. Yeah. Uh, at number 17 was The Great Escape. The Great Escape did not make it to the top 10. Not surprised. Uh, for those of you that like musicals, uh, I, I saw the high school version of this just a year ago, Bye Bye Birdie. But then, now we're getting into the, the top ten. Uh, at number ten, the VIPs with Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, and a 
cast of well-known characters from that period. Um, is that not a good movie in its day? I don't remember that I ever have seen it, so I don't. I can't say anything personally about it. At number nine, a movie you have all seen, Doctor No, the first Bond movie. That's right. It was the first Bond. Came out in '63. Yep. That's, Ursula, that's a great little movie. It is. Ursula Andrews in her bikini. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm. At number eight, a movie that creeped me out when I was a youth. The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. Especially that, when she's stuck in the phone booth. Oh, my God. That is a horrifying scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there were things for some of our listeners. There are these things called phone booths that you <laughs> you had to go to put money in to use a phone. Yeah, forgot about that. Phone booths. Phone booths played a prominent role in movies up until about 1996, and then all of a sudden they vanished. Yep. At number seven, a movie I saw and I enjoyed as a kid, Son of Flubber with Fred McMurray. Didn't see it. Okay, no, yeah. No comment. No. Number six, a Disney cartoon. I'm not going to say it's a classic, but I can remember, again, I can remember seeing this when I was a little kid. The Sword in the Stone, the Arthurian legend that's told by Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number five. It's, it's still a cute, it's still a cute little movie. Yeah, it is. It's just a, you know, when you're Lumping in with all the Disney standards, it just doesn't get that much play because it's, it's probably second tier. Yep. Uh, number five, Jack, Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine in Irma La Deuce. Never seen it. It's a Billy Wilder musical comedy sex romp sort of movie. Uh, number four, I, I just, I'm telling you, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, number, because unlike these other movies I commented on, when it came out in like 1963, my parents would not have let me watch it even if I wanted to. And it doesn't have the legs, evidently, to stay out there to be replayed. Uh, number four, Tom Jones. Sorry, Albert Finney, Susanna York, and a big cast. Uh, uh, obviously a well-regarded movie in this day. I've never seen it. Number three, a great movie. And I will just say, I don't know if we'll ever review it, but listeners, if they have not seen it, should rent It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> a very funny comedy. It still holds up today. It was a thing where they got like every halfway successful comic from the day and put them into this massive ensemble movie. Yep. Would you guys agree with me? I've oh, never... yeah. You'd have tons of people, I mean, even well-known dramatic actors who would do a two-minute bit walk-on. Yes. Yeah. I love the part at the very beginning where it all starts with Jimmy Durante kicks the bucket. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it, Steve? Never seen it. it it's a fun little movie. It's a Steve, fun I, I, I'm just going to do you a favor. Go out there and read it and watch it. It is funny. You will laugh. Okay. Number two. A movie which I'll 
repeat, I think this is well worth watching. I saw it. It's a epic How the West Was Won. One of the greatest songs for a movie. Yes, and a massive cast. Mm-hmm. John Wayne. John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Henry Fonda, Gregory Peck, Debbie Reynolds, Robert Preston, Carl Malden, George Papard, Agnes Moorhead, Lee J. Cobb, Richard Woodenfart, Walter Brennan, mm. Harry Morgan, and more. Uh, uh, and finally, number one, uh, a movie which was, was like the event of its time. It was like the Kardashians on crack in this era. <laughs> Cleopatra. Oh. Which the movie pretty much sucked, but it was like, from what I understand, it was all for like a year. All you heard about was what Liz and Dick up to. The movie pretty much sucks, in my opinion, as a... If you're trying, if you want to know about the late Roman Republic period leading up to the Empire, this is probably not the authentic movie to watch. What do you think, guys? There is one part of this movie I will stop and watch. It is the naval battle. That's still kind of cool. There's a big naval battle. And then Cleopatra runs off and Mark Antony chases after her and Let's his fleet get annihilated. But yeah, it's a spectacle. It's a cheese fest spectacle. Well, Dr. Doolittle plays Julius Caesar. Rex Harrison, yeah. Roddy McDowell plays Caesar Augustus. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. It's what they this was still a that. day. The, 50, the 50s was the highlight of sword and sandal movies. But they were yeah. still cranking out these ancient epics. But this was like over the top, and they let the stars take over the story. It was schlock at its worst and best. It wanted to be Ben Hur, and it it was nothing like it. No, but it made a lot of money. Again, I I, I do say next Easter we need to do Ben Hur. So anyway, that's the top ten and some other movies as well. 63 was a different age. It was. All right, there you go, folks. That is it with the top 10 of 1963. We are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this great and fantastic film. Number one. Ah! Did anyone jump through a window? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. No. No. I was trying to think during the escape, but no. No. No windows. No jumping through windows. All right. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? Was there a woman in the movie? There were no Uh, women in this movie. So, there. Other than extras at the bus station and the railroad station in the background? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, no, outside of... No, no one was taking part. This was a no, a bunch of house crowds. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. All right, number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? There were a couple of your typical SS officers, but they didn't pay. Yeah, Gestapo agent. Actually, yeah. the one Gestapo agent did pay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he Nathan paid. McCallum took care of that. Yeah, he paid badly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Yep. So yes. Oh, all right. Very nice. All right. Next. Ah! I'm sorry. I, every time I hear that, I still want to chuckle. Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? <laughs> I didn't hear one. Did anybody? No. They didn't have any. No, no one was screaming. Actually, I was. There was no Wilhelm scream in this movie, but the other day in the gym, I was listening to, I believe it was. Well, I was on the, the elliptical. I think it was the man who shot Liberty Bell once. And all of a sudden, I hear a... Wah! There was? I wow. perked up like, that's a Wilhelm scream. Oh, all right. Let's see. Next. Was there a montage in this movie? Holy crap. Was there? Half the movie's a montage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really well done montage. It is. It's it's cool. Like yes. the little garden scene. Yep. You know, they're dumping the how they're how they're moving the earth around. They explain what they're doing and then they go into this montage of showing you. Yes. Uh, the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Yeah. <laughs> bang. Bang. Yeah. All right. Uh let's see. Next. Was there a WTF moment in this movie? Anytime James Coburn opened his mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh! Why couldn't they get an Aussie for that? Uh, and I like James well, Coburn, I but I too. did sit there going, "What?" The? Yeah, why? Again, in in modern Hollywood, every third guy playing an American in a movie is an Australian. But back in those days, I guess they were thinner on the ground. Yeah. No, I I don't. I mean, in terms of, like, when I was watching this, what did I think? Uh, I'm not going to say it's a really, maybe doesn't fit this, but I did like that scene towards the end where James Coburn's sitting there and all of a sudden the guy walks up and goes, telephone. Yeah, that's another go. And then they all duck, and he stands there. He's like, <laughs> maybe I should duck, He's standing there like, why are you on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. 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 Uh, all right. All right. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? No. Yep, I didn't think so. Yeah, Most we, of these guys were either very old or were on the other side of the pond and or dead. Well, yes, 30-year difference. Yep. Yeah, a big difference. I mean, you might find some in some of these older movies, but, yeah, there's, yeah. All right, well, there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. It is now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. Um, Steve, take it. Oh, my gosh. Me? Yeah, you like this movie. I do like you this movie. You recommended it. Yeah, I do like take this it. movie. All right. Um, I I like this movie. It, it's really good. I Gosh, 1963. I wasn't even born yet uh, for another four years, so... It's an older one. I really do like this one, mainly because you do get a lot of character development out of uh, a lot of the main characters. And I like all the actors that are in this movie. I mean, Richard Attenborough, James Coburn, who 
if I'm lucky, I will grow old to look just like him. And uh, James Gardner, great actor. He was a he was a big TV star during the 70s. Just love that guy to death. Uh, Steve McQueen, unfortunately, died too young. But you know, the one thing we didn't talk about with Steve McQueen is he did all the motorcycle stunts were done Thank by him you. in this. Yeah, and I I am remiss if I didn't mention that, and that is a huge. Uh, thing. As a matter of fact, one of the trivia pieces, I'm just going to throw it out there, but the scene where he, he puts the, the clothesline to, to get the motorcycle guy, that's actually him getting clothesline. When, when you see this German motorcycle guy flying by, boom, that, no, that's Steve McQueen. And he did his stunts. Except for the, uh, the jump. Uh, the jump over the, uh, the, the, when he's trying to get over to Switzerland, mm-hmm. the, the insurance company wouldn't let him do it. So. Because he well, he probably could have done it, they just weren't going to let the star. Yeah, it. they weren't going to let him do it. But anyway, but great great actors in this movie. Uh, it is, I think, one of the classics of some of the World War II movies. I mean, when you think of the World War II movies, like the really really good ones from that period, you know, Mark mentioned The Longest Day, uh, Great Escape, and God, what was the other one, Mark? There's a there's there. Oh um oh good lord um. I can't even think of it. There's another big, like, 60s. Oh, uh, uh, uh shit, we did it. Uh, Bridge Too Far. Well, that was late 70s, but still. Late 70s. Yeah, but still, it was, it's in that genre. Yeah, that, 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 that was Richard Attenborough directed that. Yeah, Richard yeah. Attenborough. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this falls into that category. What I like to say is that, that genre of, you know, the World War II movies from that period, they're not bloody. They're not gory. They're just, very well done movies. And, you know, and this is, this is a great one. I mean, this to me is, you know, one of the top, um, you know, war movies. And again, folks from like my generation or, you know, our generation, we, you look at the stuff now, it's all about the blood and the guts and, you know, how much violence you can put out there. You know, in these movies, you really didn't see that. It, it was more of, uh, you were actually seeing more character development than anything, but, um, this is one of my favorites, and I, good lord, great escape. If I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna rank this with what I do with all my other POW movies, and I do have a soft spot, uh, soft spot, soft spot in my heart for Stalag 17 because, to be honest with you, that was one of the very first uh, Christmas presents that my uh, my wife, uh, actually at that time, my fiance had bought me for Christmas, and it was Stalag 17. That's always going to be way higher than anything else. But this one here, I, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give it a nine. This is a top movie to see. So there you go. That's my review. Gentlemen? I can't really argue with you. I I enjoy this movie a lot. It is very typical of that, for lack of a better phrase, the, the first generation of World War II movies. These movies came out immediate post-war for about the next 20 years, made by and starring guys that were in the war. A few years after this, you started getting into more uh, a more detached filmmaking when it came to that subject, and also get the impact of anti-war sentiment from like Vietnam and this, you know, the changing times. So, you, Steve, you pointed out. I mean, there's not a lot of gore, not a lot of blood and guts, uh, but still. A good story. I like these old movies with the big cast. 
I liked it as a kid, especially because they're explaining. I mean, in a way that I mean, hate to say it, a, a kid could understand it. Okay, we're stuck in this camp. How are we going to get out? Step by step, here's how we do it. Uh, they do a, a decent job in building enough character development to, uh, you know, help you identify with and feel something for the various characters. We touched on the music. The, mu- the music is something that, you know, you, you probably, even if you haven't known it's from this movie, you probably have heard it. It's, it's lived through the years. Uh, cinematography was solid. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I mean, you're stuck in a prison camp. There's not, not a whole lot they can do. <laughs> hate to say it. Uh, Mark touched on the fact that James Clavell was the screenwriter, and I thought that was really cool because, you know, I, I liked his work, you know, Shogun, Noble House, uh, King Rat, uh, a man that spent time in a prison camp and knew sort of uh, what, what it was all about. Uh, it was a – one thing we didn't mention was this is a movie that was put together by John Sturgis. Uh, he's an American director, did a lot of good work. Uh, just a few of the movies that, you know, would certainly qualify as solid man cave movies that uh, he's did was this. Uh, he did The Magnificent Seven. He did Ice Station Zebra and others. Uh, so a quality production. If I'm going to give it a numerical rating on my 1 to 10 scale, I'm going to give this a 8.75. Very nice. Mark, any final thoughts? Um, I'll echo you both. I think you both nailed it. I'll give it a 9, and I'll just say this is a – it's always fun to go back to watch these movies because they – I would. I don't even know if movies like this get made anymore. They're this, just these jaunty, jaunty, daring do, can do, nobody mopes around, even guys like Donald Pleasance who has this great character, who has a setback, he, he, you know, he just he gets through it. No one sits there and has this poor me situation. Um, we don't have angst. It, it's just got this upbeat, energetic, enthusiastic. Yeah, we're in a bad situation, but you know what, we're going to turn the tables on the crowds and we're going to make them pay. And, uh, it, it's a throwback. And I, I grew up like I'm sure the both of you did watching these movies and, and loving every minute of it. And if, if you want, and this is a movie that if you've got young kids, preteens, teenagers who are interested in, the, in, in history or World War II, you can easily sit them down and watch this movie. Um, and they'll probably enjoy it. The only problem will be is if you've got a teenage son like mine, he might start digging under the house from his bedroom to see if he can escape. Um, because he'll probably think that's a pretty cool idea is, you know, can he dig a tunnel? But great movie, lots of fun. Um, and I echo both of you in your earlier comments and I will just say it's nine. Very well done. Like it. All right, folks, that is it with uh, the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 160. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com, and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Leave us a comment. Tell us if you liked the show or didn't like it. Look for us on Facebook 
and give us a like there, and you can follow us on Twitter, and you can listen to us. I already said that part. All right, never mind. <laughs> so you know where to find. You know where to find us. I've been saying this enough. All right. So until next show, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend Mark. Not the cooler again. Slower. Roni here's the tunnel man. So he digs in front, pushes the dirt behind him. I stash it behind me. Then we burrow through the dirt like a couple of moles. By dawn, we're under the wire, cross the open space, and into the woods, and gone from this podcast. <laughs> nice. Well played. <laughs> well played. All right. And uh, also saying farewell, adieu, and Alvita Zan is our other good and dear friend, Ken. Who are you calling a ferret? Roni. I've got nothing. He's got bupkis. Wow. Except for the fact that you keep telling me that, I mean, you, that line throws me off because you guys are always telling me that my film role is complete if I can just get onto a Mad Max set to play the dude that wears the ferret. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do Road Warrior, and that's going to be your homage. We should. Give me uh, a ferret, put on my head, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. All right. And on behalf of our other good and dear friend, uh, uh, Jeff, who is down in the, the, the hills and hollers of Kentucky, uh, he bids you farewell and uh, he sends his regrets and regards, but he'll be back. Uh, but folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time, ciao.